Chapter One, Part Two of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Despair and Hunger, Part Two. The market woman turned to depart when a full voice called out, "Good morning, Madame Francois." It was a thin fellow who spoke a thin fellow with a big head and big bones a delicate nose and small bright eyes he wore a hat of black felt shabby and out of shape he was closely buttoned up in an immense overcoat once light chestnut in tint on which the rain had left huge greenish blotches round-shouldered and trembling in a nervous way that was probably habitual he stood with his legs a little apart his stout lace shoes and blue stockings fully exposed to view by his very short pantaloons good morning monsieur claude replied the market-woman gaily i waited for you monday and as you did not come i took care of your canvas and fastened it up on my wall in my bedroom you are very kind madame francois i will come some day and finish my sketch monday it was impossible has your great prune-tree put out all its leaves yet oh yes indeed well then i will put it in the corner of my picture it will do well there next the poultry-house i have been thinking about it all the week the vegetables are superb this morning i got up early only to see the effect of the sunrise on these cabbages i am off said the market-woman i hope to see you soon monsieur claude she hesitated and then added presenting florent to the young painter look here this gentleman has just come back from a long journey and feels like a stranger in paris give him some help can't you and she walked off quite content in leaving the two men together claude looked at florent with interest his long oval face with its uncertain expression struck him as quite original the market woman's introduction was quite enough and with the ease of a person accustomed to all sorts of odd adventures and rencontres he said quietly i will go with you but where are you going florent was not altogether pleased but one question had been on his lips for the last hour and he determined to risk it he hastily said does la rue pirouette still exist to be sure answered the painter and a curious corner of old paris it is too with its crooked turns and pot-bellied houses i made a sketch there that was not very bad when you come to my studio i will show it to you is that where you want to go florent quite comforted by hearing that la rue pirouette still existed said no that he was not going there all his distrust was awakened by claude's persistence who answered gaily well never mind let us go all the same to la rue pirouette come it is only two steps off there was nothing to be said and florent was compelled to yield and they strode off along the sidewalk were gigantic piles of cauliflowers arranged with surprising regularity their tender green among the coarser outer leaves gave them the look of flowers or of a succession of bridal bouquets claude stopped before them with a little exclamation of admiration a gas-light still burned on the corner of la rue pirouette the houses were precisely as the painter had described them pot-bellied and elbowing each other although some few were quite the contrary and looked as if they were about to fall on their noses the gas fell full on one which was very white and fresh as if it had recently been done up while others were tottering and covered with green mould Florent stood still at the corner of la rue mondetour in front of the house next to the corner on the left the three floors looked as if all the inhabitants were still sound asleep the small white curtains were drawn close while high up in an attic window a light came and went 
but the shop on the lower floor seemed to cause florent an extraordinary emotion it was a place where only cooked vegetables were sold at the back bright tins glittered and on the counter stood chicory and spinach smoking in small earthen dishes where they were piled up in smooth hillocks this sight seemed to astonish florent he looked up at the name godeboeuf on a red sign and stood aghast with the air of a man to whom some great misfortune has arrived meanwhile the attic window was opened a little old woman leaned out looked at the sky then at the hall and then into the distance hallo mademoiselle saget is early to-day said claude turning toward his companion i once had an aunt living in that house which is a perfect nest for scandal ah the mehudens are moving i see their lights on the second floor florent was about to ask a question but suddenly changed his mind for he did not feel quite easy each time he looked the little artist full in the face he therefore listened while the other talked of the mehudens they were fishwomen the oldest was superb the youngest looked like one of murillo's virgins calm and fair among her carp and her eels and then the little painter added angrily that murillo was not such a wonderful artist after all he suddenly stood still in the middle of the street well he asked do you want to go to the very end i don't care where i go said florent lead on i will follow as they turned out of la rue pirouette a voice called claude from the depths of a wine-shop in the corner claude went in dragging florent with him the shutters were taken down from only one window the gas was burning and the air close and stifling a dirty towel and the cards of the previous evening lay forgotten on the table fluttering in the breeze which came in at the open door and mingled with the stale odour of wine and tobacco the proprietor le bigre was waiting on his customers in his shirt-sleeves and with his big face white with sleep men were drinking at the counter coughing and spitting swallowing raw brandy with the hope of arousing themselves to their day's work florent saw lacaille the man who had bargained for the carrots and was now discussing with a comrade the price of potatoes when he had emptied his glass he went into a small room at the back of the shop with le bigre what will you take said claude to florent the little painter had shaken hands and he came in with the young man who had called him a handsome young fellow of about twenty-two wearing a moustache on his otherwise well-shaven face which smiled from under the wide brim of a hat well dusted with chalk claude called him alexander tapped him familiarly on the arm and asked when they should go to charentonneau and they said something about a jolly boating party on which they had been together and of a delicious rabbit stew they had enjoyed in the evening well what will you take repeated claude florent looked at the counter in some doubt at one end were bowls of punch and hot wine kept hot over gas he said he would take something warm monsieur le bigre handed over the counter three glasses of punch a basketful of hot rolls stood on the counter but as the other two men did not take any florent refrained although he felt the hot punch fall into his empty stomach like so much melted lead it was alexander who paid a good fellow is this alexander said claude when they left the wine-shop he is excellent company in the country i never saw such a gymnast his muscles are something extraordinary he has posed for me naked several times in the open air now shall we take a turn through the halle florent followed him at the end of la rue rambuteau a bright light announced the coming of the day 
the roar of the crowd in the market was constantly increasing the two men turned into one of those covered streets between the fish and the poultry market florent lifted his eyes to the high roof with its cross timbers of shining wood and then as he looked about him it seemed to him that he was in some big town with its distinct quartier its squares and its streets all put under a huge shed out of some whim on a rainy day there was a perfect forest of pillars and innumerable trellises of iron some of the divisions were as yet unoccupied although the gas was lighted throughout women were hurrying through the fish market and laying out their wares on the marble tables the hurry and noise was spreading from the poorer quarters where the cabbages were bought and sold at four o'clock in the morning to the stalls where pheasants and chickens were sold to the wealthy at eight o'clock all along the sidewalks were established petty market gardeners from the outskirts of the city with their bunches of vegetables and dainty baskets of fruit carts were constantly driving in under the vaulted roof two of these stood in such a way that florent was obliged to wait for them to move before he could pass and he saw the men take down heavy bags which were wet and smelt of sea moss and contained shellfish as did huge boxes with crossbars of wood which were brought by the railroads daily from the ocean then came large yellow wagons with colored lanterns laden with cheese eggs and butter claude was delighted with all this tumult he was transfixed by an effect of light on a group of men in blouses at last they struggled through all this confusion and found themselves in a quieter spot filled with delicious fragrance they were among cut flowers women were seated on either side of them with their square baskets full of roses violets and marguerites a lighted candle brought out a perfect melody of colour the pale sweetness of the marguerite and the vivid crimson of the dahlias and the flesh-like tints of the roses there is nothing sweeter or more spring-like than this odour of flowers coming to one after the smell of fish and the pestilential odour of cheese and butter claude and florent loitered along among the flowers and stopped with some curiosity before the women who sold bundles of ferns and of vine leaves methodically bound together twenty-five in a bundle then they turned into another quiet street which was almost deserted where their steps resounded as in a church they found there harnessed to a wagon about as large as a wheelbarrow the smallest donkey that was ever seen the creature began to bray as soon as the two men came in sight and with such prolonged vigour that the vast roof of the hall fairly reverberated horses neighed in response and these sounds were repeated again and again until lost in the distance opposite was the rue berger with its wide open stalls heaped up with baskets and with fruit near by stood a fiacre in which they caught a glimpse of a lady lounging in the corner while her driver swore at the carts in which he found himself hopelessly entangled it is cinderella coming home without her slipper said claude with a smile the two men talked a little as they lounged through the market claude with his hands in his pockets told how much he enjoyed seeing all this abundance which poured into paris every morning he said he never came without his imagination being filled with wonderful pictures of which he had yet begun only one he had made marjolin and cadine sit for him but the deuce of it all was that these vegetables fruits meat and fish were mighty hard things to paint florent listened while the pangs of hunger were devouring him to this enthusiasm it was plain that claude at this moment did not think of these things as eatable he liked them for their beauty and colour 
Claude suddenly stopped and tightened, in a way that was common with him, the wide leather belt he wore under his old overcoat, and said, with a knowing air, "'Sometimes my only breakfast is through my eyes, and when I have neglected to dine the evening before, this sort of breakfast does not agree with me.' He then went on to describe a supper for which a friend had once paid at Barat's. They had had oysters, fish, and game. But Barat had come to grief. He and the old Marché des Innocents were done for together. This vast hal was a very poor substitute for the past. Florent did not know whether the artist most regretted the loss of what was picturesque, or the good cheer that once was to be got at Barat's. Claude was now launched. He delivered a fiery vituperation of all the old masters. His cabbages, he declared, were better than all their dingy rags. He ended by accusing himself of miserable mannerism in the study he had made of La Rue Pirouette. "'I tell you,' he said, "'a man should paint what he sees and as he sees it. Now look there,' he continued, "'is not that a better picture than their consumptive saints?' Women were selling coffee and soup. A small crowd of customers had gathered around a large kettle of cabbage soup which smoked on a tiny brazier. The woman, armed with a long ladle, first put into a yellow bowl thin slices of bread, which she took from a basket covered with a napkin, and then filled up the bowl with soup. There were clean market gardeners in blouses, dirty porters with their shoulders soiled by the burthens they had carried, poor devils in rags. In short, all sorts of persons, eating their breakfast and scalding themselves with the hot soup. The painter was delighted and half shut his eyes to compose his picture but the smell of the cabbage soup was terribly strong. Florent turned away his head. The sight of the appetizing bowls made him dizzy, and even Claude was affected. He tightened his belt with a smile, but he was a little vexed, and walked on, saying as he did so, in a low voice, to Florent. It is very funny, but did you ever notice that there are always plenty of people ready to pay for a drink for you? but no one ever thinks of such a thing as paying for your food it was now dawn at the end of la rue de la cossonnerie the houses in the boulevard sebastopol were black and above their slated roofs stretched a line of light claude was looking up with his eyes fixed on a roof over his head what are you looking for asked florent for that devil of a marjolin answered the painter i need him for a study he is certainly up there unless he has seen fit to spend the night in a cellar with the poultry and he went on to say how his friend marjolin always lived about the market of which he knew every nook and corner he and that little scamp of a cadine whom mother chantemesse had picked up one night in the old marché des innocents he was a splendid great fellow with a ruddy beard which would have gladdened the heart of rubens while she was a tiny creature with a quaint little face and bright eyes under a wilderness of curly hair Claude, as he talked, increased his pace. He led his companion to the Pointe Saint-Eustache, where he dropped on a bench near the omnibus station. A ray of light suffused the eastern sky, which overhead was sombre and grey, and the air had such aromatic freshness that Florent could fancy himself on a hillside in the country. Claude pointed out to him the secret of this odour. Thyme and lavender, sweet marjoram, and basil were all around him, done up in bundles ready for sale the illuminated dial of saint eustache was slowly fading while in the wine-shops the gas-burners were being extinguished one by one and florent watched the halles emerge from the shadow stretching their endless length before him 
and when the daylight brought them entirely into view they struck him as a wonderful machine the result of modern ingenuity a gigantic cauldron made of wood metal and glass claude stood upon a bench and insisted on his companion admiring the light as it streamed over the vegetables bringing out all their rich tints and varied shades of green the cabbages alone were a study for an artist enormous white cabbages hard and compact as if made of metal curled cabbages with leaves like bronze red cabbages with streaks of rich purple and crimson in the distance the opening to la rue rambuteau was barred by a barricade of orange-coloured pumpkins and the glossy reddish-brown of a basket of onions the vivid red of a pile of tomatoes the yellowish tone of a quantity of cucumbers the sombre violet of the eggplants delighted the heart of the artist who called these vegetables simply sublime meanwhile the crowd of white caps and blue blouses filled the narrow paths porters lifted their burthens high above their heads there was a soldier and several nuns buying cabbages and stout cooks were peering about in search of bargains and the carts were still roaring up the street is it not magnificent cried claude but florent was in an agony of pain he looked up at saint eustache of which he saw the sides like sepia tracings against the blue sky he saw the beautiful windows the bell tower and the slated roof he caught the gleam of gold-lettered signs in la rue montmartre down which workmen in white blouses with their tools under their arms were hurrying claude was still standing on the bench suddenly he beheld in the crowd a head he knew ah marjolet cadine he cried his voice was lost in the uproar and he jumped down to follow his friends but suddenly remembering florent he said quickly you will find me in the impasse des bourdonnais my name is on the door claude lantier come and see my sketch of la rue pirouette he disappeared he did not know florent's name he left him as he had taken him on the curbstone having explained his artistic preferences florent was now alone at first he was glad of it since madame francois had picked him up in the avenue de neuilly he had been simply half awake and yet in such pain that he had hardly known what he was doing at last he was free and he tried to rid himself of the intolerable and heavy dream of mountains of food by which he felt himself pursued but his head had a strangely empty feeling he was a little afraid withal for he could now be seen his clothing was lamentable he buttoned up his coat brushed his pantaloons fearing that their very dust would betray whence he came he was seated by the side of several other poor devils on a bench which was kept in view by several policemen who were walking up and down florent fancied that they knew him and were about to arrest him he felt a mad desire to run but he did not dare to move nor had he the smallest idea where he should go but he felt that he could no longer endure this cold examination of these men and left the bench not hurriedly but as quietly as possible feeling in imagination rough hands laid upon his collar he had but one desire now and that was to get away from les halles but the streets were all so crowded that he did not know which to take wherever he turned his path was encumbered by the vegetables while the pavement was slippery with the leaves of artichokes and lettuce he heard the noise from the halle it was like a great central organ furiously beating throwing the blood of life through all its veins he went into a quiet covered street at the left which he had previously noticed as especially quiet 
but it was now as noisy and bustling as the others he went to the very end where he found cages of living poultry and baskets of dressed fowls on the opposite sidewalk were carts discharging whole calves and calves in quarters sheep and quarters of beef butchers with white aprons were weighing and cutting up the meat he looked at them with wild hungry eyes he passed the stall where tripe was sold and the feet and heads of calves with the brains delicately placed in flat baskets sweetbreads and kidneys florent with sullen rage in his heart turned away from this place his teeth chattered and he was afraid he should fall on the ground and be picked up and carried off by the police he stopped and leaned against a tree with his eyes closed and a strange buzzing in his ears the raw carrot he had swallowed gripped his stomach and the glass of punch intoxicated him he was drunk with despair fatigue and hunger a great fire burned within his breast he pressed his two hands upon it as if to stop a hole through which his life was ebbing the sidewalk upheaved under his feet when he tried once more to walk he staggered and finally in a stupor allowed himself to be pushed first in one direction and then in another he was now ready to beg and angry with himself at his foolish pride in rejecting the alms offered by madame francois and he was vexed also that he had not asked the painter to give him something for now there was no one to whom he could turn he was left there like a lost dog he looked toward the hall once more they were now bright with the blaze of the rising sun the zinc roof reflected the light blinded and dizzy he wondered if he were to die in the face of all this plenty hot tears stood in his eyes two women now passed him a little old woman and a taller one and you come yourself to market mademoiselle saget asked the taller and younger of the two oh madame le coeur my marketing is nothing you know what one woman lives on is nothing i wanted a little cauliflower but they are so dear and butter how much do they ask for it to-day thirty-four sous i have some very good suppose you try some i don't know i have a little on hand florent made a great effort and followed these women he remembered that he had heard the smaller one mentioned by claude and said to himself that he would speak to her as soon as she was alone and your niece asked mademoiselle saget la sarriette has her own way answered madame lecoeur sharply the day will come that she will turn to me for a mouthful of bread but she will ask in vain you were very good to her always she ought to make money for fruits are very advantageous this year and your brother-in-law oh he madame lecoeur pinched up her lips and seemed determined to say no more always the same i suppose continued mademoiselle saget but he is a good man after all though it is a pity that he wastes his money in such a way how does he waste his money answered madame lecoeur fiercely he is a miser i tell you and a thief too he would let me starve rather than give me a five-franc piece he knows perfectly well that i have made no money this year while he has sold all the poultry he could get hold of but he has never once offered me the smallest assistance not that i would have accepted it you understand ah here he comes said mademoiselle saget lowering her voice the two women turned and looked at a man who was crossing the street i am in a hurry said madame lecoeur 
i left my stall without any one and besides i do not wish to speak to him florent looked around mechanically he saw a small squarely built man with rather a happy face holding under each arm a fat goose he started looked again and started in pursuit of this man when he reached him he touched him on his shoulder gavard he said the other looked up in some surprise at this long black figure which accosted him then he uttered a stifled exclamation you he cried you here he nearly let his fat geese slip from his grasp but seeing his sister and mademoiselle saget watching this meeting with evident curiosity he walked on saying do not stop here there are too many eyes and ears they found a quiet corner and talked florent said he had been to la rue pirouette gavard thought this very queer he laughed and said that quenu had moved and opened his pork-shop in la rue rambuteau opposite the halles he was still more amused when he discovered that florent had been all the morning with claude lantier a droll sort of fellow who was moreover the nephew of madame quenu he would show florent where the pork-shop was but when gavard found that his friend had returned to paris with forged papers he shook his head with an air of grave disapproval he insisted on going a little in front as they walked that they might not attract attention he passed his stall and hung up his two fat geese and still followed by florent he crossed la rue rambuteau where he pointed to a showy pork-shop past which the army of street-sweepers were just moving with regular strokes of their brooms the pork-shop was almost on the corner of la rue pirouette it was a pleasure to look at being so bright and clean the sign on which was the name quenu gradel in long gilt letters on a pale blue ground was worthy of being covered with glass cupids sported amid wreaths of sausages and piles of cutlets the window was a mass of green each plate was surrounded by parsley and celery in the background were jars of pickles and pots of mustard there were hams and tongues and pigs feet black puddings and forcemeat balls sausages and pates hams and jelly and large pates there were truffles and mushrooms there were boxes of tunny-fish and sardines a box of rich neufchatel cheeses in one corner and in the other fat little snails lay among parsley on the rear shelf of this chapel consecrated to the stomach between two tall bouquets of purple gladioli was a square aquarium wherein two goldfish were disporting florent shivered he saw a woman standing in the doorway she gave another touch of beauty to all this solid comfort she was a beautiful woman full but not too stout in all the maturity of her thirty years she had just risen and her shining hair was smooth and massive her flesh had that transparent whiteness that delicacy common to the skin of persons who live on buttermilk and fat meat she was grave and serious in expression her stiff linen collar lay smooth about her throat her white sleeves came up to her elbows and her white apron down nearly to her shoes leaving only the extreme edge of her black dress to be seen and its tight-fitting waist she stood bathed in the sunshine drinking in the beauty of the morning she had a look of great kindliness that is your brother's wife your sister-in-law lisa said gavard to florent he nodded to the woman as he spoke then turned into an alley taking the most preposterous precautions although the shop was empty and was evidently delighted to be concerned in an adventure which he regarded as somewhat compromising wait he said 
i am going to see if your brother is alone you must not go in until i clap my hands he pushed a door open in the alley but when florent heard his brother's voice he could restrain himself no longer but rushed in quenu who adored him advanced with open arms they embraced each other as if they had been children ah stammered quenu and i thought you dead only just now i was saying to lisa that poor florent he stopped and put his head into the shop lisa lisa then turning to a little girl in the corner he said pauline go ask your mother to come here but the child did not move she was a magnificent little creature about five years old and looking very much like her mother she held tight in her plump little arms an enormous yellow cat as if afraid that this shabby newcomer would steal her treasure lisa came with slow and stately step it is florent my brother said quenu she called him monsieur and was very cordial she examined him frankly from head to foot but evinced no unkind surprise her lips were however slightly compressed but they finally parted in a smile as she witnessed her husband's ecstasy of delight but he suddenly became grave seeming to realize florent's careworn aspect and his excessive thinness ah my poor dear boy he said you have not grown fat now look at me he was fat certainly too fat for his thirty years he seemed to be bursting out of his shirt and the great white apron in which he was swathed his well-shorn face had gained a certain resemblance to that of a pig in the flesh of which animals as hands were busy all day long florent would hardly have recognized him he seated himself and looked from his brother to lisa and then to little pauline they were all in riotous health and gazed at him with all the astonishment of stout persons at excessive thinness the very cat winked her yellow eyes and examined him with evident distrust will you wait a while for breakfast asked quenu or will you have something now our hour is ten florent thought of the terrible night he had passed of his agony and of the incessant sight of the abundance of which he could not partake and said in a low voice with a sweet smile i am very hungry End of chapter one